0: What is good, everybody, man? Welcome back into the Blue Bloods. This one is an interview that I've been wanting to get for a long time, and we finally got this one together as we preview some of the best players in the FCS for the 2023 season, and we could not have this series without my guy, Todd James. Mercer, wide receiver. The This is going to be a, a little bit longer introduction than you guys are used to because this guy was a Blue Bloods FCS All-American last year. Unanimous and consensus first-team all-conference. Phil Steele, the SoCon coaches, ourselves at the Blue Bloods, led the SoCon in receiving yards, touchdowns, yards per catch, owns the top three spots, has broke his own record all three years for receiving yards in a game, set the school record for receiving yards in a season at Mercer and is now looking to be the first player in Mercer history to be selected in the upcoming NFL draft next season in 2024. Ty, appreciate you hopping on the show, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me. I, I love that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I was I was doing research and I was like, man, I, I like to try to keep my intro short best we can get right into the interview. But I was like, man, there was so much to hit with you. But I want to go back to high school. You were really a star in multiple different sports. You set the school record your senior year for receiving yards at, at your high school. So you, you've you done that everywhere you've been. I got to ask, though, man, because I was kind of following your recruitment did you feel under-recruited out of high school? Because I felt like you checked the boxes in terms of size, production, versatility. Why do you feel like schools weren't giving you the respect that you ultimately deserved?
1: Um, and that's something me and my pops still talk about to this day. But I think it just starts with the fact that um, coming out of high school, you know, especially now, but even when I was in high school, guys are getting offered in, you know, ninth, tenth grade, eleventh grade, really – going into their senior years when a lot of guys are already committed or at least have like a top five, top three or something like that. So schools pretty much had their class. Like in my class they kind of had their guys already and I was still a no-name guy. So once I I feel like once I bloomed or like once I came onto the scene at the end of the senior year, you know, some schools took notice but they had already signed, you know, however many receivers they wanted for the class or whichever receivers they were recruiting before they even heard of me. So it was just kind of like a too late thing for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think we see that now. I mean, especially now they're offering kids in what, the eighth, seventh yeah. grade now? It It's getting outrageous, man, because I I talked to a kid who was in the class of 2027 because I work on the recruiting trail. I'm like, 2027, this guy has not played a lick of high school football yet, but he's already got 16 FBS offers. Oh, geez. It's, it's right. just crazy to me, but... You decide to head to Georgia for a year. What was your biggest learning experience that redshirt year that you took at UGA?
1: Right. Um. Uh, my biggest learning experience, I guess, would just be uh, patience. You know, being in, in high school, I was I was a late bloomer in high school, but kind of where I went to high school at Newton County and then at GAC, it really wasn't too many guys that played From the start of that freshman year to senior year anyway so like a lot of us were just getting on the field senior year and then i got to georgia and you know especially at a school like georgia the talent pool is just so deep you really have to just work and be patient and work your turn now of course due to COVID and stuff like that um like my turn was kind of cut short but I really had to be patient and just kind of work throughout that fall season knowing when spring ball comes, or at least when it was supposed to come, that was kind of when I was going to get my shot. But I just kind of had to be patient to stay my role.
0: What played into your decision to look for another opportunity after that one season at Georgia? Was it just that due to the COVID year and all the craziness that happened with in terms of roster numbers, was it just better for you overall, or were you just looking somewhere where you could be the guy coming in the next season?
1: Right. Well, it wasn't really anything instant. It was just the fact that, um, you know, and I always thank Kirby. But when I when I came to Georgia, I always thank Coach Smart because he told me straight up, honestly, you know, like your biggest time is going to be spring ball after your freshman season. So I was kind of always looking forward to that. And then when COVID happened, we didn't have a spring ball. So it got everything got cut early and I, we all got sent home. And then with me being that preferred walk-on, I was always on the bubble of being a, a priority guy, a travel guy. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. So then the numbers got even shorter as far as how many people they could bring back to campus. And, you know, I think at the time it was only maybe 50, 60 guys they could bring back. So I didn't make that cut. And that was kind of now I'm missing my shot, and now I would have to wait a whole another year. On top of the the guys they're recruiting for this next upcoming season, who knows if my shot will still be there. And so I just had to kind of go somewhere where I knew I was going to get a shot. It wasn't so much like I need to go there and, you know, coach needs to tell me I'm going to be an immediate starter, immediate impact. I just need to know that I'm going to have a shot because when I COVID took my chance away from me at Georgia. So I, I had no choice but to go try to find a spot somewhere else.
0: I think you're still seeing some of the after effects of COVID, too, with roster spots. Because I, I, I still think there's high school guys who aren't getting opportunities because you got the transfer portal on top of you still got guys with extra years of eligibility. I think there's a few guys that are seventh, eighth year guys, which would never have happened if it went for that COVID year. But right. your decision to transfer to Mercer it paid off in a big way, man. We're going to get to all that, but what was it about the culture, the coaching staff, the team, or the university at Mercer that made it the place for you after you left Georgia?
1: Right. When when I entered the portal, you know, I had two big things on my mind. I, I wanted to go to a winning culture, and I wanted to go to an honest coaching staff. You know, of course, when I entered the portal, um, all the schools that were, you know, kind of hit me up, they were always saying, yeah, you're going to be – we, we need a receiver. We can see you being that number one guy. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I appreciate that, but how many guys are you telling that to? So when I talked to Coach Chronic, and um, he told me straight up, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, we're making that transition from uh, Lenore, Ryan, to Mercer. We would love to have you, but you're going to have to come in and earn everything that you have. You know, I took a look at his, um, his past. You know, everywhere he's been, he's won. He did a great job at Lenore, Ryan. I looked at the offense, and, you know, at the time, the offense, it was really one true receiver outside. So you, I would have had that those one-on-one opportunities that I love. So I wasn't scared of any work. Just I knew when he told me straight up, you know, you're going to have to come in and work, and you're not going to be a starter the day you come in. and he told me that you're going to have to earn that starting spot. We're not just going to put you at the top of the roster. That was the coach I wanted to play for, a guy like that, because I knew he was going to pull the best out of me. And I knew he was going to make me work. I was going
0: to have to earn everything that I had. I got to meet Co- Coach Connick this year at SoCon Media Day, man. And I think you can tell he's genuine just off the bat. He was one of my favorite. I went to, I think, eight different media days this year, and he was one of my favorite coaches to talk to. And I got to catch up with him. I got to come to two of y'all's games this year and got to talk with him there, man. I I, I love Coach Connick. I look forward to talk to him again. But we got to talk about your record. I mean, the record, the fact that you – set the record in 2020 I believe against Furman for receiving yards in a game you come back in 2021 you do it again and then this past season that Stanford game I think that might have been one of the best performances I've ever personally seen at the FCS level I think it was 351 in that game multiple touchdowns again when you look at those three games and being the record holder with all, at all these different places, man, what, what clicked in those games, man? Do you just black out and it's just one of this, those unconscious moments or do you just see the matchups and say, I can take advantage today?
1: Right. It, it's just, it's different. And if each, each one of those games was different, um, you know, every game I go out and I want to tell to do the very best that I can, but I, I specifically remember the very first framing game, um, That was when, that was still my first year at Mercer. Um, Everybody was telling me, you know, it's kind of a a rivalry, Coach Connick's past at Furman. And um, I'm looking at all these uh, kind of blogs and predictions. Furman was ranked at the time, we weren't. um, So that just kind of lit a fire in me, that specific game, just because I wanted to go out there. And I I really wanted to put Mercer on the map, you know. I wanted to do it for, for myself, for my team, for my coaches. And then, you know, when we had that 10-play script, I saw the 10-play script the day before, the first 10 plays of the game, and I could see, I think it was like third play was a deep ball to me. And then, like, the seventh play or, like, the eighth play, and I'm like, okay, so they got some trust in me this game. Let's go do it then. you know. And then that just kind of progressed and progressed, and then as the game got going, um, you know, I started feeling it more and more. And when you're feeling it, you know, Coach is going to come back to you. So that happened, um the East Tennessee game, that was the SoCon championship. And that was what we've been waiting for. That whole, the first fall of COVID, the spring of COVID, and then up to that year, that's what we wanted. You know, we, we had felt embarrassed from a loss we had earlier in the season and just being able to work back up and get that shot. You know, you win this game, you go to the championship. So on my mind, I personally didn't know the, the stats. I just knew I wanted to win. So, um, Going into halftime, when I look back on it, I think I, I might have only had maybe you know 50 or less at that time. So coming out of halftime, you know, we're in the locker room, like everybody, you know, buckle up, tape up your boo-boos, and let's get to it. So we came out and then I just I was just feeling it, I was balling, I was doing what I wanted to win. Um and then the Sanford game, mm-hmm. I <laughs> hey I mean, I still thank God for that. Um, that's all God, you know. Being, playing a team like Sanford, the thing is, because of the way their offense is and how high tempo it is, we're going to be on the field a lot as well because it's either going to be a quick change of possession or a quick score on there, and, you know, obviously I'm hoping for a change of possession. But either way, their offense moves quick. So the more they are the, – I mean, the less they were on the field was the more that we were on the field. And, you know, we're trying to match that, that – um, that attack power that they have, that that high-scoring ability that they have. So, you know, we were just playing to our strengths at that time. And the way their defense was, I could see different coverages and different setups. So, you know, Coach Connick saw it as well when we made the adjustments and it just kind of – we just kept attacking the holes. And, you know, the yards after catch, um, I feel like that might have been my best game as far as yards after catch. So just playing physical and and that was – that game was to go to the playoffs. We knew we couldn't win the SoCon championship, but we still want to get to the playoffs. Another thing we haven't done yet, we haven't made playoffs, we haven't won SoCon, so I wanted to do that too.
0: Yeah, I know that game was crucial because I was – so I got to come to two games with you guys this year. The one was the Chattanooga game, and then I made the – I know, man, I, I came back for the Furman game, which brings me to my next question, man. The spe- I still I – w- I remember because – they were punting toward me. I was in that end zone. I was standing in the end zone, getting the film. I still got your hit on film. I didn't post it or anything, <laughs> but I got the hit and I was like, but he, I was like, who was that? Like that? He murdered her. And then they were like, "Ty James ejected. I was like, what? I was like, no, no, that can't happen, man. Right. To this day I still don't think that should have been an ejection just want to throw that out there but man what was what was your reaction on the sideline because this was one of the first years where they allow ejected players to stay on the sideline what was your message to your teammates when that big that huge emotional swing happened and I think you already had a touchdown in that game already what was your message to your team though once you, once that play happened
1: Right I mean and and I'm not going to lie that this this was another moment that I was uh thankful that I've had Coach Kronik for it because, you know, after the game we were talking about it. And I told him in the past, if something like that would have happened, you know, let's say two years ago I get ejected like that, I would have mentally I would have been clocked out for the rest of the game. I'd have been upset, throwing tantrums, but um, you know, the call happened. I I felt like he bobbled the ball and kind of dropped a little bit, which forced the hit. But um yeah, I mean when I got ejected, I just I kind of looked to the sidelines and in that moment, you know, I realized like I was looking at my team. I was seeing a lot of guys down. And that's when I was kind of realizing, like, that sparked something to me because I realized how much my team trusts me and how much they feel like they needed me. And then vice versa, you know, I went and told those guys, like, this—if even if you put me on the field, there's still 10 other guys. And now that I'm off the field, you know, I, I go tell the guys who are coming in for me, like, this is what you practice for. I'm, I'm not the only person that practices. You know, you practice, you work. This is why you play college ball as well. You want this opportunity. So defense is already playing their butts off. Um, it's not like, you know, we have to make a miraculous comeback. Just keep pushing the ball the same way we've been doing. You know, push that ball, play slowly. And then um, really going into halftime, that was when I really got to, you know, clear my mind. Because it happened maybe like a minute before halftime or something. Yeah. So I really got to clear my mind. On You know, I took my pads off, and then I, I came back out of the locker room And I I pretty much told my guys, uh, you know, Dev, Trey, I pretty much told them, Trey Atkins, y'all better win this game. I mean, we didn't win, but I told them, you know, if I'm going to get ejected and I'm going to have to sit on the sidelines and watch, y'all better go out there and play y'all bleeps off, play y'all butt off, you know. And I I could tell that they were, you know, I I watched Devron go crazy on the sidelines. And, you know, I, I could tell that, you know, those guys were ready, so.
0: Yeah, I, I still think Devron p- had one of his best games of the season after – I think he had two touchdowns after you were ejected. Man, I still I, – I look back at that game because I, I remember talking to Bryce and those guys in the press box after the game. I was like, man, that changed the whole momentum, man, just because that was still – if I'm not saying it was tied at that point and then it gave him the ball again, you know, and moved him down and they went on and scored. But, man, looking at your relationship with Dev, I, I think uh, I, I posted it, you guys are two of the top three wide receivers according to Pro Football Focus coming back. I think Hero Sports had you all both of the top five, both FCS All-Americans. What is your relationship like with him? And to, to know that you have a guy across from you playing in the slot that is that electric with the football in his hands.
1: Yeah, it makes it real easy. The the, the thing that's, that's best for us is we're friends off the field too. So, you know, that's like – one of my best friends, you know, we're both from the same hometown, same area. You know, I, I live in Kanye's. He went to school in Kanye's. um And then just him coming in, and it makes it a lot easier for me. And vice versa, I make it a lot easier for him because now, you know, a defense can't key in on one receiver because there's no drop-off on the other side. You know, if you want to key in on me, well, like you just said, we have another top-tier receiver on the other side. you key keen on him. You have me on the side. So just being able to play off each other really just opens it up a lot more for us to really work, especially when we get in those one-on-one situations. And then being how close we are, we build that chemistry all the time. You know, uh, we literally live across from each other in the room all the time. You know, we got a, a group chat, our friend group. We're in the same friend group. Um, we just talked yesterday on the phone, literally coming up with the summer plan. Like, hey, we we got to get ready this year. We got to go. You know, we're trying to trying to take that big set next year, you know. So, yeah, we're we're just always together, and having that chemistry and that relationship really translates on the field, makes it much easier.
0: We've we've kind of went through your journey, man, under-recruited coming out of high school, red-shirted, and missed on opportunity at Georgia due to COVID. You come in and you earn your spot at, at in Mercer and in the SOCON, FCS in general. What did it mean to you, looking back on your journey, man, all those schools that overlooked you coming out of high school, to finally hear your name and FCS All-American associated with it? What did that mean to you personally?
1: <sighs> it meant the world, man. It- I almost teared up when I when I saw it because it was, um, you know, when I when I got the freshman All-American uh, after the COVID year, I, I was very grateful, of course, but, you know, that year not too many teams played. And so a, a lot of people had asterisks next to it um, and just kind of handled a lot of stuff like, yeah, he got it, but it wasn't that many people he beat out or this, isn't that. So then getting it this year, you know, that just kind of showed for me that that wasn't a fluke and, you know, I, like you said, my journey has been rough. You know, uh, they tried to put me at tight end at my first high school and just a whole bunch of not getting the offers. Same coaches telling me, you know, they didn't feel like I was good enough for a full offer. And, you know, now those same coaches, you know, I'm, I feel like they would love to have me on their team. But uh, it, it just means a lot. And I just thank God because, like, this is what I've been working for, you know.
0: Man, I, I can only imagine, and I think, you know, a lot of people. It, I I don't think people understand kind of like the how how humble you guys are in terms of like the FCS All I mean, you and Dev both, because there's a lot of players who earn that All American, and they're not playing at that university in, anymore. And I mean, it was like the I mean the FCS. I think I, I tweeted out it was like sixty eight all-conference or all-American players transferred this past season. So was there ever a question of you staying at Mercer this offseason or did you think to explore the transfer portal or anything like that or were you just like, these were the guys who gave me an opportunity, I'm going I'm to a, I'm a stick it out here and try to be the first player for Mercer to hear my name selected in the NFL draft?
1: Right, and I mean, just with the way the transfer portal is and with
0: Twitter and,
1: and friends and, you know, tampering and stuff like that, there it, it was, of course, the thought. You know, um, I remember towards the end of the season, you know, I, I took kind of a, a week. And, I, you know, I, I sat down with Coach, my Coach Harris and Coach Cronigan, You know, we had a real honest meeting. We probably had, you know, five meetings in one week. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was a real honest discussion because, you know, with the transfer portal, everything does seem better, of course. But it, is it really a reason for me to to transfer, you know? And that was what I kind of had that to realize, and, um, you know, I talked to Deb, and I talked to Carter Peavy, he's in, um, our quarterback now, and I talked to all the other guys who, you know, some, we've had other guys that could have transferred too, and we all, you know, well, hold on guys, we're all good enough to play, you know, at whatever level, it may be power five, group five, how about we go win a ring here, you know, let's, let's put together one last ride, and just kind of having that relationship with my brothers and my teammates, that's not something that, the coach we have, that's not something you're gonna find easily at another school. That's not something I wanted to give up either. You know. Um the football is football. You know, I'm I'm gonna play my best and I'm gonna hope to get that shot at the next opportunity. But I, I know if I do everything I can and you know my coaches put me in a position to, you know, help me out, I I really feel like I can have that same opportunity here.
0: I I think it's rare that you, Dev, Lance Wise, Isaac Dowling, I mean, the list goes on and on with guys who probably, like you said, would have had opportunities elsewhere to stick sure. it out. And like you said, there's a lot of first still to be able to be done at Mercer and for you guys to be the first group to do it would be huge. So I want to I want to shift to next season, man, real quick. You have, you've, you've worked with Fred Payton as your quarterback throughout your first three seasons. He is off to the next level. You just mentioned your new quarterback coming in. What has it been like building chemistry with him this offseason after spending multiple years with Fred as QB1?
1: Right, and uh, it's really a, a blessed situation because the chemistry is already there from, you know, our freshman year when, when I was the freshman um, all-American. He was SOCON kind of freshman of the year when he played quarterback. So we've already played together. And just the thing about him is he's real mature, you know, so most guys would have either looked to transfer or would have, you know, pouted those next two year, those last two years. But um, you know, he just kept working, always ready, you know, he knew his time was gonna come and it's coming now. So we we've, we've got a plan together. We work, you know, we throw, we do all this other stuff and we we talk off the field too to really build that that bond and make sure there's no no issues.
0: I, I love it, man. I, I know it's gonna be a big year, but I wanna take a second to look at your game over this period of time. I want I want to go back to freshman year at Georgia, Ty James, comparing that player to the guy I'm talking to now, FCS All American, going into one of his final seasons at the collegiate level. What is the biggest developmental change you've seen in your game?
1: Just trusting my ability. Um, you know, yes. freshman year, it was funny. I, I was talking to my coach, he was like, Man, I was looking at freshman year taping. He suck. <laughs> Just that that joke we have. But uh, the biggest thing, I've always felt like I was a good player, but I, I've been playing more confident myself. And when you play more confident in yourself, you play more fluently. So kind of my freshman year, you know, I'm like, all right, Ty, you're finally starting. Don't make a mistake. Don't drop a pass. You know, don't miss a block. When I was like, you know, I know I can run this route how I need to run. I know I can get off the press. I know I can do this. So just go play, go have fun, you know, do what you got to do and win. And I feel like mentally was the biggest improvement for me way more than physically.
0: Yeah, I think that's the that's always that's really kind of like a consensus here. Like talking to guys, film study, kind of breaking down the you know what's going on up top during the game is really the biggest difference between high school and college football. But shifting to some quick hitters, man, to let people get to know you a bit better, we got to start with what was your welcome to college moment where you, you get to the next level and it's like okay, this is a little bit different, man. I'm I am ha- I can't do that again.
1: Okay, my welcome to college moment. So. Okay, do you want one? I can give you both. Do you want one in game or just a practice moment?
0: Oh yeah, you can give you can give me both, man. That's great. Okay,
1: well, practice moment for sure was my very first uh, fall camp at Georgia. At the time, you know, we had um, Lewis. He was a safety, got drafted first round, and then we also had a guy named Otis. And I remember running across that middle. It was kind of um, a fake snag and then come across. So I kind of fake whip I faked out, came back in. And I caught that ball in turn upfield and they were coming right at me. They closed so fast and so quick. And I'll never forget that hit. That's how I knew to keep my head on a swivel, tuck that ball, cause that hit right there, I don't think I could ever take that hit again. <laughs> and as far as a an in-game moment would be, it was um it was Western Carolina and this wasn't as much just like the physical domination portion. But I remember playing the game, and I was just like, man, I feel like for some reason, I, I can't get off these corners. I can't do this. I, I can't be press." And I don't, think, I don't think my coach saw it, so we don't need to check the film if he sees this. But um, I had to go route, and, man, I tried to take an outside release, and back then I didn't use my hands or anything. I just tried to beat him with speed. And the way he threw me into that sideline, I don't think – Ever since then, I've been the most physical receiver I could be because that and it was their sideline too. So, of course, they're chirping and I got to deal with all this stuff and I'm all the way out of play. And that was it was pretty embarrassing. That was way more embarrassing than the practice moment,
0: yeah. That especially being the opponent's sideline like, anytime you get lost on the opponent's sideline, it's always an experience, especially if you get beat like that but hey man, there's there's a lot of dbs who wish they'd had that moment now because i don't think it happens very often so man i'll, I'll be honest I, the wide receiver db dynamic on the show when i ask this question is always interesting man but how much trash do you talk in between those white lines during the game
1: oh man well for starters it depends on the team so if it's a, a team you know farming uh chattanooga um, now Sanford as well. Well it's always been Sanford too. Those three teams, oh yeah, you know, when we line up, we're going at it. And Citadel as well. Um they have a real good cornerback. So we always go at it when we go. But um when I when I line up against those four, we we know what it is, you know. At the end of the game, hey you're a hell of a player and we'll dap up. But once that clock starts, we're gonna go at it. We're gonna talk, we're gonna ball, we're gonna get a little physical, you know, maybe a little bit after the whistle too, but um outside of those four teams, you know, I just let DB set it. You know, I'll come out and play and you start talking, well, you know, I, I gotta be a man, I gotta stand up for myself. So all right, if this is what you want to do, let's do it.
0: I guess it is kind of hard to talk trash when you got 351 on 13 catches and two – I don't know how much trash – like I don't know what you would say as a defensive back in that situation. So, I played O-line. Listen, that would be what the equivalent of giving up like five sacks to one guy. Like I don't know what I'm going to say to that dude. Like what am I going to tell him? So, I I love it, man. So, I got to ask, who is the best defensive player you've ever had to face one-on-one? That's a good one.
1: Okay. Best defensive player that I've had to face. So, um, I would say, ETSU, they had um, they used to have a safety. I believe he was number three. I can't I can't really remember his name, but um, mm. man, that guy was all over the field. You know, we're watching film and he's everywhere. Um, I remember the SoCon championship. He almost sealed the game on a, a game-winning interception. Uh, it went through his hands, but. You know, I remember coming across the middle, and he lit me up pretty good. Like he was everywhere, and that game I played slot outside, and you couldn't escape him. He was he was nice. I, after the game, you know, I, I gave him props. Like man, he gave me props. I gave him props. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to you, brother. That was good work right
0: there. ETSU is always sneaky. They always have like one or two D, DBs that are uh, that are at the elite. I know uh, Elijah is now playing at North Carolina after yeah, a big uh, season a big season last year, man. So NFL comps are so big. I mean, they they literally run the off-season news cycle. So if when you look at your game, which NFL wide receiver do you feel like you model your game after the most?
1: Um, I feel like I try to model my game after, of course, uh, Devontae Adams. Just, you know, you want to be the best, you work like the best. But as far as comparison, I I feel like I'm kind of compared to, like, Keenan Allen. And those two players are very similar – but the difference is, Keenan Allen doesn't get that recognition. You know, when when you hear guys' name in the top receivers, if somebody says Keenan Allen, then you'll hear like, "Oh yeah, he's pretty good too. I forgot about him." It's, you know, and I, I feel like that's kind of how, how it is for me on the field. You know, I feel like they kind of try to sneak past me and not give me recognition sometimes. So I, I always like to say I'm like a Keenan Allen, but just those those physical route runners who you know you watch a guy like Devontae Adams and you watch a guy like Keenan Allen, and they're like. And, um, you know, he's not Tyree Hill, He's not blazing by them. And he's not Calvin Johnson. He's not jumping over everybody. But they just can't guard him. Like, I can't tell. You can't figure those guys out. And I feel like it's the same way for me. You can't – I don't feel like you can figure me out as a receiver.
0: Man, I I I, lo- I love that comparison. Cause yeah, you are kind of right. Like Keenan Allen, like when I think, you know, you you hit the Stefan Diggs, you hit Devontae. I mean, you you hit, well, I guess now J- Justin Jefferson, guys like that. But it seems like Keenan Allen always just kind of like slides a little bit underneath right. the radar. So I gotta ask, your favorite route to run. If you if you gotta go get it right now and you got to call the play, what route are you running?
1: Okay, I'm calling the play. I love I love post route. I do love a post route. However, that, that depends on coverage. So you know, if I'm, if it's just me and you, and they're saying, will <clears throat> make a play," I want that hitch route. I want you to give me the ball five yards, and I want to see that DB come tackle me.
0: Ooh, I, 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 I love it. So I got to ask too: your favorite coverage to face in a game?
1: Oh, I love cover three. I love obviously cover zero or cover one would be the the absolute favorite, but you don't really see too much cover zero, of course. But I love cover three because a lot of the times those those linebackers or those flat defenders, those uh, curl hook defenders, they take too long to get out there. So, like I said, on that hitch route, cover three, by the time I got the ball, that linebacker hasn't gotten out there yet. So now it's just me in the corner. You got to stop me. A lot of times they don't.
0: And, and even if the linebackers there, man, I've, I've watched the film. There's not many linebackers that if they're not there on time, they're probably not hawking you down in the open field man. either. I mean, it would take a very special linebacker to have that type of speed. But, man, the final two questions both center on the NFL draft. The, the first one is, if an NFL franchise asks you what they're going to get in Todd James if they take you in the upcoming NFL draft, man, what do you tell them?
1: Uh, you'll probably get the hardest work you've ever met. And that's just being honest, you know. A lot of guys, and and this isn't to to knock anybody, but with my story being the way it is, a lot of guys have always had things, you know, given to them, or they they've always already had what you know what they wanted. But a guy like me, like I didn't touch the field till my senior year of high school. I didn't get my chance in college uh, my freshman year. Like I know how to work. I really know how to work, and I mean that. So you're gonna get a guy who doesn't feel like anything's ever given to him. You know, everything I got, I earned, and everything I want, I'm still going to still
0: finding to earn it. And building off that, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, there's never been a player that left Mercer and heard their name called in the NFL draft. Your your ex-teammate Poe almost had it. He got a great undrafted free agent contract. He's killing it with the 49ers still on the roster out there. But what would it mean to you Given your journey, given everything you've achieved already at the collegiate level, what would it mean to you to hear your name called in the NFL draft and be another record setter and be the first player for Mercer to go to the NFL?
1: Uh, man, be, Well, shout out to Paul. That's my guy. We talked two days ago. But hearing that, that would mean everything to me. You know, um, the more you watch the draft and, like, the older I get, the closer I get to that process. And I'm, I'm seeing these guys getting their name called. I'm listening to these phone, phone calls. And, like, I, I truly understand I'm breaking down, you know, all the days. You know, my mama had to work, and then she had to come get me after work when she tired, or she had to sit in the parking lot while I'm still at practice. Or, you know, we had to try to figure something out. Day, My sister can't go to school because I'm going to the gym or something like that. You know, just, just knowing that everything they did paid off, and it was all worth it, you know, just being able to share that moment with my family and, you know, tell myself, you know, I finally got that opportunity. You know, that's what everybody wants. They want a chance in the league. Hearing my name, you know, uh, uh, undrafted for a called great as well. You know, that's a, a still an opportunity. But being able to look up on that TV and, and see Ty James on the TV, you knowing it's millions of other people that can see that, my friends can see that, that that is nothing I want more than that. You know, me and Deb talk about it almost every day, literally. And I, I can't exaggerate that more. Talk about it
0: every day. That's all I think about. I, I can't only imagine because I mean dev's gonna be a top prospect too, especially with his ability, man, as a kick and pump returner, is just next level. The for Mercer not to have anyone drafted, for potentially have two wide receivers on the same team on the same wide receiving core get drafted. Man, I, I could only imagine what that campus would be like to see you two guys go to the next level, man. Ty, I appreciate you so much, man. Listen, these interviews are usually structured for 15 minutes, man. We did almost 35 minutes, man. So I, I definitely appreciate you. But this is all about player promotion, man. Let, let people know where they can find you on social media, contact you for NIL, and any messages, anything you want to say to the people, man, this time is yours.
1: Right. I mean, I, if you want to find me, you know I'm not hard to find. I keep all my information the same, at WR underscore James. It's all the same um you know any any business proposals dm me on twitter i always respond you know that's one thing about me i don't feel like i'm too big-headed for anybody i hear everybody out so yeah i mean any message you want to say to me you can find my instagram my twitter is the same i don't have snapchat but you know just shoot me a dm and i i'll respond for sure
0: Hey, man, I definitely appreciate it, guys. One of the best wide receivers returning, man. I I don't think it goes without saying we were already getting our preseason All-American list together. This guy, first team, wide receiver, preseason, FCS All-American, has already done all that, going for potentially Walter Payton Award, and I know he's wanting to lead Mercer to a SoCon championship and also their first playoff appearance in school history, man. A lot of big things on the way, but, guys – Follow Ty on all social media. You're going to want to keep up with his journey to the next level. Guys, subscribe to the channel below. Our website, theblueblosscfb.com, daily FCS content. But guys, for Ty, for myself, and for the Blue Bloss men, we are out for right now.